All righty, and good morning again. Let's see here. Our hymn of invitation is 321. If you want to go ahead and mark that, uh, and we'll hold off on sending the uh, kids over for Children's Church. Glenn and Donna have that, but we're going to go through our, our uh, Mother's Day uh, ceremonies here to begin our service off. You know, we had the Kentucky Derby just uh, last weekend, and they call that the the two most exciting minutes in sports. Well, for preachers, this is the two most dreaded min minutes in preaching. Because I have to ask women how old they are. So just keep me in your prayers. All righty, as we always do, and uh, we, we like to honor our mothers with, and this is an example of uh, the hanging baskets that we got this year. And uh, with the anticipated increase in award winners, I left them over in the fellowship hall. So uh, if you have, if you, uh, or if you get a basket today, just step over after church and pick up your basket. And for all of our mothers or all of our ladies, I should say, uh, we have a flower for you on the way out too. So don't forget to pick one of those up as well. All righty. As you know, we always give away a basket to our youngest mother. Uh, the mother with the most children present, and then the mother that has the most experience. So, uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, you like it? So I'll go with the easy one first. Uh, if you are a mother here today and uh, you are under 50 years old, would you please stand? I was going to say, we got no moms under 50. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. If, uh, I'm just going to start calling some numbers, and if you hear an age, a number that, that kind of marks your age, you just go ahead and sit down until I have somebody left standing. 45. 40. 35. 30. It looks like Hannah's the last woman standing on that. So Ms. Hannah Johnson is our youngest mother president. Let's give her a round of applause. All right. So I want to just keep track of these because I have a feeling I'm going to end up having to buy some extra baskets. All right. If you are a mother here this morning and you are over 50 years old, please stand up. And I'm just going to do it the opposite way as I keep climbing. You go ahead and sit down. This is one where they all want to sit down the first number I called off, right? So 55, 60, 65, 65. You ever feel like an auctioneer? <laughs> 65, 70, 75, 80. Miss Doris Williams is our most experienced. Oh, no, oh, two. Well, now you're going to make me get right down to the nitty gritty. Okay. What, where was I? 85, 86, 87. Oh, we got a tie then. All right. Huh? All right. With Doris Williams then. All right. Very good. Let's give Doris a round of applause. Uh, 
Okay, if you are a mother and you have at least one child present with you today, please stand up. And I'm afraid this is going to get where it's going to get real, real busy here for us. So, do we have anybody here that has three children here present today? No? No, no, stand back up, ladies. You got to listen. I'm asking you to raise your hand. Do we have three kids? All right, if you only have one child present, please sit. So I knew this was going to be the case. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight mothers with two children present. So let's give them all a round of applause. Now, here's the bad thing about it. I have seven hanging baskets total, so I'm going to have to buy some more hanging baskets, okay? So uh, what we can do is we can get that sorted out after services. But certainly, ladies, do not leave here without a basket or letting me get your name so that I can pick up another basket for you, all right? And let's give all of our mothers and all of our women a round of applause and appreciation. All righty. Let's see here, Glenn and Donna have Children's Church, so anyone 12 and under, uh, let's head over for that. And, uh, all right, good looking group headed over this morning. And a more, again, I want to, uh, Say good morning to everybody. Wish everybody a happy Mother's Day, all of our mothers. Just remind you again, in case you came in a little bit later or you didn't hear the first announcement, uh, we will not be having evening services or youth meetings this evening so that you can spend that time uh, with your family uh, and your mothers in particular. And uh, if you're following us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, happy to have you here with us as well. We'll make you welcome. And it's always a privilege for me to share in God's word with you. Of course, each year at Mother's Day uh, comes around, you expect, a, you expect a, and have come to expect a sermon that, that talks about uh, mothers out of the scriptures in some form or fashion. And, and I won't disappoint you on that today, though I will say that the subject of this morning's mother, this sermon, may be one you're not familiar with. Uh, as far as women goes in the Bible. That doesn't mean that she's not uh, important. So, and it's not going to be so much about how to be a good mother. It's not going to be so much about how to be good to your mother. But uh, I want us to turn, if you will, over to Numbers chapter 26 and verse 59. We're going to be introduced to this mother, this woman mentioned only a very few times in Scripture. Uh, but yet, Dude, even with uh, her low profile, she provides a, uh, a portrait of a mother with faith. So that's the title of this morning's sermon, is A Mother of Faith. And Numbers 26, 59 says this, And the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt, and she bare unto him Amram, Aaron, Moses, and Miriam, their sister. So she's Moses' mom. Somebody we don't often think a whole lot about. You know, we know about Moses. We teach our, 
our kids about Moses and, and leading the children uh, out of Egypt and out of captivity and through the desert, but we don't think about Moses' mom. And that's who we're going to look at this morning. To give us a little bit of background on this story, the nation of Israel had been in Egypt for almost 400 years at this point. And they grew and they prospered there. And before long, they had grown and prospered so much, they became a threat or a perceived threat to the reigning Pharaoh. So he forced them into slavery. And then throughout this time, by the sweat of their brow, cities like uh, Pithom and Ramesses were built under the sweat and blood of the captured Hebrew slaves. And he intended to break their backs. But they continued to grow. And they continued to prosper under God's blessings. So he turned the heat up a little bit. And he commanded that the Hebrew midwives were to kill all male children just as soon as they were born. But they wouldn't do that because they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. So he commanded that the children be, if you found a Hebrew baby, male child, you were to throw them in the Nile River. And the Nile is well known for crocodiles. Now you can find all this in Hebrew, in, in uh, Numbers uh, as well. Chapter 1 actually of Exodus is where this is at. So he couldn't de depend on the, the midwives. He couldn't depend on anything. She, we see this reign of terror coming down when Jochebed uh, has becomes pregnant with her third child. She didn't have to worry about Ariam or, or Miriam, but the child in her womb would be fair game to any patriotic Egyptian. Anybody that wanted to throw an Egyptian or a Hebrew baby into the Nile. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Living in such fear when Jochebed was called to be a mother. I think of some mothers today. Some mothers in, in Africa. We don't have it so much here, but you think about Africa where those children are stolen by these tribal groups and, and male children are taken off and trained as soldiers and female children are taken off and stolen as, as concubines. Still happens today. We don't, we're fortunate that that's not the case here. There are challenges to being a mother in our world today, we know. And it's rare to hear of killings here in the United States except for the free and open abortion laws that we have. Stealing is kind of rare, though you do hear of that as well. And there are forces, and we have to know and understand this, is that there are forces at work which threaten to drown our children. Just like the Pharaoh wanted our children to be drowned in the Nile River or consumed by the crocodiles that lived there. There's forces that the evil one has set loose upon this earth that are still active today. Kids can drown in the river of violence. Kids can drown in the river of promiscuity. Both of those are normalized today in our society. Glorified even. We used to think about that stuff being on, on the TVs, but now it's not even on the, so much on the TVs. It's on what everybody, every teenager has. And probably everybody in this room's got one. Is their phone. So you can carry violence, and sex 
and promiscuity in the palm of your hand and not be without it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what our children are drowning in instead of the Nile River. River. They can be drowned in the sea of confusion that is set by the lines being blurred between what is right and what is wrong. And what our society says is evil, now saying it's good, and the reverse. They can drown in the competitive culture that rewards results more than it rewards character. And we see that in our society as well today. Every conscientious parent and mother certainly knows how dangerous it is to grow up in this world if it's your desire for your child to know Christ. But that's the kind of world that Jochebed found herself in. She stands out because of what she did to save her child. And when she could do no more, she depended totally upon the faithfulness and providence of God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Well, I want us to see this model of faith. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 is where we'll start. And we'll see that the Hebrew writer talks about, doesn't actually mention her name, mentions his Moses' name. It says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper or beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. So first, Jochebed's faith was a courageous type of faith. See what the Hebrew writer says? That, uh, By faith, he was hid for three months. And they weren't afraid of the king's commandments. How do you do that? You do that by having deep abiding faith in God, knowing that what the king had commanded was wrong for her to do and she would not comply with that. And we today can take strength and our young people and, and young mothers and, and, and mothers that's not so young can encourage young mothers to, to use God's word as their standard and have that kind of faith and not to be afraid of the king's commandments when they're contrary to what God's word and God's truth says. That should be done. And that's why we see the Hebrew writer mentioning her, but not by name. Though the king said that all male Hebrew babies had to be thrown in the Nile, they disobeyed. They disobeyed. They hid Moses for three months. Now that, that takes courage. And think about how hard it is to hide an infant three months old. You know, they, they're kind of noisy. I know when Jared was born, we couldn't hide him. He made too much noise all the time. And these little babies, they, that's what they do is they cry. They make noise. They require uh, care. But they decided that's what they were going to do. They didn't throw him in the river. We often think of faith being something that's passive, this let go and let God, but faith is an action. Faith is real. It's an active thing that we have to participate in. It calls us sometimes to do risky things, like mothers who are unable to have children adopting, to save a child from a life maybe inside of an orphanage of their whole lives or until they turn to adult age. That's kind of a risky thing. Maybe, maybe it's a... A mother who wants their child exposed to the Word of God. And over the objections of a husband, 
still continues to teach because she knows that's what God would have her to do is to teach about Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a mom that gives up a lucrative career so that she can stay at home with her children. Maybe they can't even do that, but they provide some kind of godly care through a, a godly uh, family member or a grandmother or aunt or someone that is able to do that. They trust in God. They're obedient to what he's calling them to do. Even in the face of threatening circumstances. And he will take care of them and their child. So she had a courageous faith. If we turn back to Exodus chapter 2, we also see that she had a sensible faith. Exodus chapter 2 verse 3. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him for an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and pitch in the child and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags or reeds by the river's brink or the bank. She had sensible faith. After three months of hiding Moses, she saw the handwriting on the wall. She knew that it was she was going to have to, to come out and be seen and couldn't just leave the baby inside the house all day unattended. So she was going to have to either uh, throw him in the river literally to obey the king's commandment or she'd have to do something different. So she makes a little wicker basket, weaves that reed basket, covers it with tar, pitch, and slime to make it float and puts it in the reeds along the edge of the bank. And it's kind of interesting, the same word that they use there, uh, for uh, here in, in verse 3 that she can no longer made a ark of the bulrushes. Ark is the same word ark that's used for Noah. The same exact word, same meaning. And just like Noah, Moses was placed in this ark and was closed up and at the mercy of the elements or in the full and complete care of God. And we see that's what the case is here. We have to think about that being at the mercy of the elements. The Nile was known for crocodiles. Three months old, Moses was completely helpless in the river. But notice she was not careless. She was sensible in what she did. She didn't just send him floating down the river. She placed him among the reeds on the river's edge of the Nile. And we'll find out here in just a minute that this is where the where she placed him was where the the Pharaoh's court, the women of that court gathered to bathe or, or maybe to go down just to play in the, in the water. So she didn't just like throw him out there and say, see you Moses, have a nice day, maybe I'll see you again sometime. She forethought in all this. She herself stood by the reeds. It would be something that would throw up a flag. But that's not the case. She sent Miriam, a young girl, far too young to have a child, so it couldn't be associated with being her child. So we see she had cleverness. The cleverness of a mom, part of sensibly knowing how to improvise on the spot. Moms are good at that, aren't they? From making up games to satisfy a restless child, to first aid for a scrape or a cut, trying to make things fun when Things are otherwise boring for a child. Moms have that ability built in for cleverness when it comes to their children. But sometimes sensibility is required. 
and sometimes it's much more consequential. Mother have to choose to give up their child. Give up their child for adoption because it's not because she doesn't love her. Just there's no means. There's no way that 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 used to happen was very common years and years and years and years ago that a, a a young girl would have a child and give it up for adoption. Sadly, today the first option is they just go ahead and abort the child. But I think it's far better. We see here a sensible faith is to give up the child for adoption. The woman's decision requires enormous faith and foresight we see here with Jacobed. Think about mothers who would love to be stay at home, but their finances won't allow that to happen. They work very hard to try to, to make that happen. Sensible faith, they, they maybe stagger a work schedule with the husband. Though they may not have time together, they know that the time spent with their children in those formative years are the most important. Moms are able to do things in a way to help their child, and they're always willing. You know, the Marine Corps uses a, a phrase to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I'm not so sure that the Marine didn't maybe hear that from his mom, because that's what moms do. They improvise, they adapt, and they overcome their situation. And moms are, in many ways, that same way. They have to do that for the love of their children. Then finally, we're going to see here on over in verses 5 through 10, as we read the rest of this story about this faith. It says, And the daughters of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, that's Miriam, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And the Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew. And she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. We see here where Jochebed's faith, her courageous faith, her sensible faith was rewarded. In, those, in this area, in this story, in this account of Moses. Moses floated along the bank of the Nile. The daughters of Pharaoh seen the baby. Said, Go get that reed thing. Go get the whatever's in there. Bring it to me. They opened it up and there's a baby. And right on cue, what does the baby do? He cries. And what does, does any woman, the maternal instinct kicks in when the baby cries. What do you want to do? You pick it up, right? And once you pick up that little baby... You've committed. And that's exactly what happened. And Miriam automatically steps in and says, You want me to go get a Hebrew woman to nurse that child for you? Yes, go. So not only was Moses protected, and, and really, in a broad sense, Jochebed complied to Pharaoh's demand. She placed her son in the river. This didn't say he couldn't place him in an ark. So his own household, the instrument by which 
Pharaoh said should be dead, save Moses. And his own household, which condemned Moses, was going to be Moses' salvation. And Jochebed, and I couldn't imagine being a mother thinking I'm going to have to give up my child at three months and, and never see him again. But that wasn't the case either, was it? Because Pharaoh's daughter needed someone to nurse the baby. And Miriam said, you want me to find someone? Yes, go. So not only did she get to raise Moses, she got paid to do it. That's a pretty good deal for her. I will give thee thy wages, Pharaoh's daughter says. So we can see how her faith is rewarded. Jacob had released all of that, giving back to Pharaoh's daughter after he was weaned. That would be about two and a half, according to what I could find, two and a half years old. And then he was raised in the court of Pharaoh, being taught all of the things that the princes were taught. Law, philosophy, mathematics, hieroglyphics, even the art of war. Acts chapter 7, verse 22 Writer of Acts says this, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deeds. So he was being equipped for what? He was being equipped to lead a captured nation, the children of Israel, the Hebrew children. He was being equipped even as a baby to lead those people to freedom. And we see Jochebed's faith was part of that plan. And that's how come it's so important for you as mothers and us as parents, really, to develop that kind of faith, a courageous faith, a faith that's sensible so that we can display that to our children and help them to develop that themselves so that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and they will be able to fulfill God's plan in their life for them. That's why I wanted to look at a mother of faith today. Because it's becoming a rarity. We need more faithful mothers. We need mothers like Jochebed that will stand in the face of government decrees and say, this is wrong, my child, my loved one, my beloved. Let me teach you the right way. Those that are willing to say, no, I'm not raising my child that way, even though society demands that I raise my child that way, I still fear God more than I feel, fear man, more than I fear uh, the Pharaoh. And we need these older mothers to encourage our younger mothers to do that very thing, to be able to raise up their children to know Jesus Christ, to know God, so that they can use Jochebed and others, countless others, for a good example of that. So I encourage you today to foster that growth in your children. Make sure that they know the truth of the scriptures. Teach them and lead them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. But don't worry, just like Jochebed was not alone, because you could see God's hand in all of that. You're not alone in raising your children. You have the resources of godly parents or grandparents, but most of all, you have the resource of God and his truth and his word to guide you. And I want to encourage you as, more, as mothers this morning.
to use that resource often. To, to go to the Bible, go to the scriptures, seek out God's wisdom in raising your children. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation this morning as we always make that invitation. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you, having heard the word, if you believe it, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the living Son of God, He was sent here for, for our benefit that we might have wisdom in the words, but more importantly, salvation through the sacrifice that He made through the breaking of His body and shedding of His blood. If you're willing to confess Jesus as Savior and repent of your sin, be buried with Him in baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and the, and the forgiveness of those sins, walking forward faithful until either Jesus returns or we're called away. This invitation is for you. Maybe you realize that through this little example of Jochebed that, you know what, my faith has waned. I have allowed my fear of Pharaoh to exceed my fear of God, and you need to get yourself back on a right relationship with God, I encourage you to do that today. In either case, we're going to sing Jesus is calling, and he calls all, all who will come. We're going to sing the first and second verse of this hymn. If you have a decision to make, would you come as we stand and sing?